Marina Scorciani. I'm at Lottie's, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's, and I'm excited about today's show because it's going to rock. going to be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's going to be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shyhards, welcome back to another episode of Meet Us at Molly's. Tonight, today, I was going to say tonight, then I was going to say today, and then I just ended up saying today. Um, (laughs) We're off to a great start. So today, today, we're going to cover episodes 16, 516, 816, and 716. As always, I'm one of your hosts. My name's Gina. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. Let's see how the rest of the pod goes in terms of like Gina being able to form words. That was that was a great start. It was great. It's okay, it's been a week. It's been a week. <laughs> it's really been a week. I know. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, you guys might be feeling the pain too. I don't know. There's just so much happening in the world right now. It's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. We don't need to go into it. Yeah, we won't. No, we won't. But um, we're gonna <laughs> escape for a little bit, and now we're gonna talk about Chicago because that's fun, right? That is fun. And there is so much to talk about. Yes, so much to talk about. It was fun unless you were Natalie or Crockett this week. But otherwise, it was fun. (laughs) We are going to start off with the news, just like always. I'm going to let Bryna kick us off because, to be honest, I didn't get to read this article. Yeah, so Hollywood Life did an interview with Miranda at, I think it was at the SCAD, the TV fest they were all at this weekend. Okay. I think that's where this comes from. Um, and it's basically just, you know, Miranda talking about, it was a lot of teasing what we're going to talk about, but, um, she also talks about how apparently like kids leadership is going to evolve. Um, she said, you know, she develops a program that she's, that Miranda's really excited for people to see how that goes and like see kid really be passionate about something. So that's exciting. Um, and then she talks about how like there's some characters that she butts heads with in the past that resurface and end up interacting in a way that apparently Miranda thinks is going to surprise people. Ooh, ooh, it's going to be, um, what's her name from the other firehouse with the women's only lounge? I can't remember oh, her name. I don't remember her name either. I know who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then she, t- of course, had to talk about Stellaride because, duh. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and things are, I guess, are going to be relatively smooth sailing for them. She says, you know, like for them, it's been nice to really branch out into different aspects of their life because their relationship is finally so sturdy. Um, and she's like, you know, I don't see anything rocking their boat too much. They have a couple bumps, but like nothing too crazy, which like I can deal with. Yes, yes. And again, like we were just saying about the world being so crazy right now, Stellar Ride is like a really nice source of calm. So like, oh my God, needs talk to talk about it, but day. the domestic stuff. Oh yeah, from last night was like amazing. Oh yeah, no, so amazing. You know what else was amazing? Um, the photos that came out of Scadfest. Um, our cast is a good-looking cast. I will just leave it at that. Like, yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know my... we got so much good content out of it. We really did. We really did. I don't know what this festival is. I've n- I'd never heard of it until now, but now that I hear about it, Brian and I are both like, we got to go next year. I feel like I briefly heard about it last year. But, like, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, that sounds fun. And then this year, it was like, what's your cognitive I'm like, what is this? I actually need to go next year. There were a lot of other shows, too. Like, New Amsterdam was there. This Is Us was there. The Bold Type was there. Legacies was there. Yeah. Um, a lot of, like, current stuff. Yeah. And a um, friend of the pod, Emily Longaretta, she moderated the One Chicago panel. 
Heck um, yeah, she did. Yeah, she has. I've been resisting the urge to like blow up her mentions and be like, tell us everything. How was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, I'm sure she killed it. Um, my absolute favorite was the Insta video that I think Miranda might have posted. But basically, Miranda and LaRoyce are watching Lisette take her photos and they're like jamming out to No, no Diggity by Blackstreet while it's happening. That is just like, mwah, chef's kiss. Perfect. I love it. That's a great song. And Lisette looks amazing. It, yeah. Incredible content. Just the best. All of it. So, <laughs> so good. good. And then there was that picture of LaRoyce and Lisette that surfaced and like LaRoyce was just giving her a big bear hug. Just we we have the cutest cast, y'all. I know. We got really lucky. We really did. We got really lucky. So good stuff. Elsewhere, the rest of the news this week is mostly alumni news. Um, there's no episode descriptions because obviously the shows are on hiatus next week. But it's a lot of news in terms of former One Chicago actors. So we'll start off, and it's a lot of pilots, too, which good for them, right? So the most recent bit of news that has broken is that John Seda has joined the drama pilot called La Brea. Now, I read the synopsis in the article, and it seems a little, like, science fiction-y. I don't know. Did, did, yeah. Yeah. So I think the yeah. gist of it is that a giant sinkhole opens in the middle of L.A., and it separates this family. And on one side of the sinkhole, it's like this primeval world that opens up. So it's kind of like timeless meets a disaster movie. I don't know if I would say timeless, but like, yeah, something. The hundred meets like the day after tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I've never seen the hundred or the day after tomorrow, but sure. We'll go with that. Oh, Bryna. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, like, John is apparently playing, like, a former Navy SEAL who apparently, like, knows how to take charge. Uh, yeah. And it's NBC, too. That's, that's like, surprising for NBC. Yeah, it's NBC. That has, like, Sunday Night Show written all over it. I know, if it gets picked up, but yes. We shall see. We should see. Elsewhere in pilot news, Brian Garrity got picked up, or not picked up, but he got placed in a pilot called The Big Sky. This is a David E. Kelly P.I. drama series on ABC. David E. Kelly, I want to say, did The Practice. Yeah, he's done some stuff, but I don't, I'm about to Google him. He's like, he's like another version of Jason Kadams, right? Like his name's just on everything. Maybe. Yeah. Um, let's see. He created Picket Fences, Chicago Hope, The Practice, Allie McBeal, Boston Public, Boston Legal, Harry's Big Law, Big Little Lies, Mr. and like a bunch of other stuff. So, yes. Okay. So, I'm willing what to bet that. What has he done is the better question. Yeah. He was. He must have been a lawyer in his past life. Um, He's also one of the very few screenwriters to have created shows that have aired on all like four major networks. All the four big ones. Damn. He's mm. kind of a big deal. Kind of. Hmm. Okay. So the article on Deadline just says that, you know, Brian Garrity has been tapped for a lead role opposite Catherine Winnick and Ryan Phillippe in The Big Sky. Ryan Phillippe, man. Good for you, Brian. Nice. So it's... Yeah, and it's Go straight ahead. to series. I was going to say it's straight to series. So, like, also a big win. Sweet. Yeah, just big things happening. So that's nice. Um, last bit of alumni news is that Sophia Bush is set to star in a CBS pilot called Good Sam. So basically the alumni are just like spreading out all over the major broadcast networks. This is nice. Mm -hmm. 
So Sophia Bush has been tapped for the title role in Good Sam, CBS's family medical drama pilot from Katie Weck, Jenny Snyder Ehrman, and her Sutton Street Productions, and CBS Television Studios, where Sutton Street is under a deal. Basically, she plays a heart surgeon. Her father is also a heart surgeon. He's kind of a dick from the description. Um, and she just kind of has to deal with him. And the father was most recently cast maybe a day or two ago, and he will be played by Jason Isaacs, a.k.a. Lucius Malfoy. Yeah, I don't think of him as Lucius Malfoy, but yes, Jason Isaacs. I know, because you don't do Harry Potter, which I really wish you would, because then you would understand, like, half of my references. I know, and that'll never happen. Sorry. I think you're a Hufflepuff. Hmm. Yeah, I've been told I am. Okay. Yeah, good. Good. Yes, no, that is, that is like, yeah, that has always been a thing. Okay. Well, now that that's been sorted, <laughs> I just sort of added Bryna, so. But um, now that that's been sorted, but um, Productive podcast. Boom. <laughs> so next week, no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, that's about all the news we've got. Again, it was a light week just because the, there's no episodes next week. So um, just kind of alumni stuff and little bits here and there. So as always, you guys know the drill with the news. If you see anything, please send it to us. However you want to get it to us. You're so good about that. It helps us big time. So without further ado, let's move into the episodes, shall we? Yes. Okay. So this episode of Chicago Med, like it stressed me out. There was a lot happening. There was so much happening, like almost I mean, too much. There always is, but yeah. I think that's just also the nature of a hostage episode. And that, like, even though the hostage was only like, oh, the hostage part was only like one fifth of it, it still took over the whole episode. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was really, really stressful. Like, it wasn't fun. It was kind of like the mid season finale where I was like, I survived it. I, I didn't enjoy it. But, but then you get to the end, and it's, like, beautiful. Okay, we got to talk about this end, because the, the replies to your tweet when you said about, like, the Crockett and Natalie feels, I was just, like, I was laughing at them so hard. Um, oh, I wasn't even talking about that ending. I was literally talking about, like, the ending ending. Oh, the ending ending. No, that was perfect. That was absolutely perfect. Yeah. We'll get there. I but... mean, we'll talk about my Crockett and Natalie. <laughs> yeah, I know. We you will. Know, we will. It, it's kind of a... I don't know if it's a problem, but, like, it, it, we'll get there. I'll save you, it. You know I love you, and you know that we agree on, like, 98% of things, but I think it might be a problem. I think it might be. <laughs> it's like a – you don't even want to know how many times I, like, went back and watched that scene today. Like, you don't want to know. I need to, like, pull you back down to earth and be like, Brian, a phone home. Come on, focus. Focus. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll we will get, get there. there. We will. Okay, so we start off. Crockett left his badge in the car, whatever. He runs into Natalie in the parking lot. And he's just like, you probably call this ill fortune, but I call it fate. Okay. You were just about to hit on April, Crockett. Like, literally just about to hit on April two seconds before. So, like, don't be creepy. I think he just has a flirtatious personality. I don't think it's creepy. He hasn't done that with Maggie or Goodwin. Yeah, but Natalie's also technically single. April is, like, a different story, but he and April kiss, so, like, that's a whole different thing. Crockett gives no fucks about April's relationship status. He has made that abundantly clear. Well, no, I think he cares. I think he cares because April's, like, called him out on it. And so he's like, okay, well, you said that, and I'm not going to do anything. But now April's over there, like, longing and, like, trying to make something. I don't know. Oh, my April God. Girl. Oh, we will. We've got so much to get into with this. I know. 
Okay, so a man runs up asking for help for his wife in labor. Um, first off, like, okay, didn't Crockett have a coat on? And so did Natalie. Like, how did this guy know that they were doctors? Well, I mean, they were wearing scrubs and they were heading into the hospital. I don't know. Whatever. But I feel like the red flag here should have been the blue panel van because, like, every story on Dateline always begins with a blue panel van. Right. And I feel like every time they've dealt with, like, vans on these shows, too, it's like blue panel. They've spray painted it blue from that one crossover when they spray painted the van blue. Like, yeah. Just it's it's never it's never good. If you are in the one Chicago universe, do not go near the blue vans. Mm-mm. Don't do it. Just don't do it. So the guy opens the back of the van only to be met by another guy pointing a gun at them and they force them inside. So this is the start we're off to. Just great, great day at med. So this guy's got like a gunshot wound or something in the leg, right? Um, yeah. I, I feel like that was not explained well. It really like that was. actual were, part. Yeah, there were a lot of things about this story that were not explained well at all. I still don't know the point of, like, why did they kidnap him? Or why did they kidnap Crockett and Natalie? Why did they take him to the house? Like, I I still don't know. Right. Right. And even, like, the whole son part. Like, I understand that. But, like, <laughs> why? But yeah. also, like, if you didn't want them to help the son, why take them to the house? Right. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of missing holes to this storyline. Yeah, like the execution was not perfect. No, did not stick the landing. No, not at all. No, but whatever. So Natalie's like terrified. Crockett's like, all right, listen, I'm the surgeon. You know, I'll handle this the best I can. Whatever. Natalie's terrified. And I feel bad for her. But I mean, that is it is what it is. And so they pull into a gas station to get supplies for them to basically like fix this guy's leg. But the driver won't let Crockett go in, which, like, this is so dumb, okay? You kidnapped these doctors to help your brother, but you're going to make Natalie handcuff his arms over his head so he can't do anything? It was so stupid. It was stupid. These are not bright criminals. (laughs) No, and, like, if Crockett is the one working on the guy, like, he didn't even let Crockett tell Natalie what he needed. So, like, Natalie just assumed, I mean, Natalie's a smart doctor, so she could probably figure it out. Mm -hmm. But, like... Crockett is the surgeon. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. I know. I know. None of it makes sense. And so um, they go inside, whatever. Natalie's like, you know, she's trying to think on her feet. She leaves her ID. Like, good job, Natalie. Meanwhile, inside the van, Crockett notices a tattoo of like a little boy on the guy's arm. I thought this was it. I thought we were going to get the story of him losing a child. I was like, this is the episode. Boom. It never happened. I thought it a couple times. Mm -hmm. And like, I didn't think I really paid attention to that scene so it wasn't until the very end when you like see the sun on the like at the house and Mm -hmm. I was like oh and then we get that whole thing and I was like oh and I was like oh right Crockett like we don't know that story yet from Crockett and I was like let's go and then we didn't get there and And then we didn't get it yeah why yep yep so Midway through the episode, Maggie's like, what the fuck? Where did Crockett go? Where's Natalie? She does, like, some detective work of her own. She realizes they're missing. And, like, thank God for Detective Maggie, man. Yeah. Finally. Finally somebody realized. Yeah. So the van pulls around the corner. Natalie uncuffs Crockett. Whatever. They get back to work. Meanwhile, hey, Jay. What's up? Hi. Hello. We got so much Jay this week. We really did. I know. We were hashtag blessed. All of the Jay. It's good. That's good. So they found prints off, not the ID, but they found prints on something, basically. So the driver is a convicted felon. The victim is his brother, and his brother, I think, just got out of jail for murder, right? 
Yes, I think. I don't know. Again, so many holes. So many holes. A lot of holes. A lot of holes. Yeah, but I I mean, the, the short of it is that these, these brothers are wonderful people. Totally classy. So... <laughs> The driver starts harassing Crockett to move faster. So Natalie goes full like, fuck this shit. And she just grabs like a torch or something that just happens to be in the back of the van. And she cauterizes the wound herself, which is hilarious. But also like a, just a casual random torch sitting in the back. What is this van? It's like a murder van. <laughs> it's so, again, these criminals, not that smart. They're really not smart. No, they're really not smart. But they still don't let them go, which like, again, not smart. Nope, not smart. So Maggie finds the gas station clerk, relays all the info to Goodwin. Goodwin is all like, I'm going to go get medical records on this guy and his brother. And they get to the house. And again, this is not clear. Like, did the brother just want to see their mom one last time? I don't know. Because at first I was like, they show up to the house and the mom gives him a hug or whatever. And then the mom like leaves. And I was like, what? The f-? I was like, what? I was just so confused. And it literally, like, again, I don't think I really would have even understood the whole son on the, because they don't say that, like, oh, this is my son. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not clear until you see the documents later on. But, like, Connor had tweeted something and he was like, oh, yeah, this is where we are at. And I was like, thank you for the clarification because I'm so fucking lost right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Basically, yes. So they go into the house. The mother, like, doesn't even acknowledge them. I was thinking she was going to be like, who the hell are these people? Nope. Just choose. Right. Did she know they were kidnapping? And again, why are they kidnapped? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. And if, like, why why were they kidnapped if he didn't want them to help his son? I don't know. I don't get it. This doesn't, no, none of this makes sense. None of this makes sense. So they walk into the living room. They see this sort of, like, hospice situation set up. And we learn that Tyler, Tyler's the victim, his son has terminal brain cancer and his grandmother had signed him out or something. And so Goodwin ended up getting the medical records. And this was my favorite. So Jay goes into the office with her and Jay's like, we can't even unseal those. And she just goes, all that matters is I got them. All right. From like some other hospital, too. What Mm -hmm. is East Mercy? I don't know. Is that the fourth hospital now? I know. But Chicago's like a really big town, right? There's no realistic way that just Chicago Med can service the whole place. No, I know. I just love how they like always use a different, like, you know, Lakeshore, Mm -hmm. whatever that church one is. Now we got East Mercy. (laughs) I can't wait for them to try and slip in a Seattle Grace and see if we catch it. Like, Well, we almost have the opposite of Mercy West. We had East Mercy. East Mercy, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. (laughs) That's funny. So yeah, Goodwin's like, all that matters is I got them. And I'm like, all right, Susan Voigt, I see you. I see you. That was nice. Was Love nice. it. So Jay gets the address from the records. And I mean, it's pretty much game over at the minute that happens because Tyler kind of realizes that like he's screwed. He lets Natalie go, but she doesn't want to leave Crockett behind. She goes anyway, though. So there's a moment here. This is the other moment where we're like, we're going to get the story. So Crockett yeah. and Tyler are just kind of like sitting there and Crockett's like, I'm sorry about your son. And I was just waiting for the next words out of his mouth to be like, I lost a child. I lost fill in the blank here. Nothing. So Tyler just lets him go, which like, this could have been the story. This could have been it. But instead, Crockett sees him put the gun to his head and he basically decides to like wrestle it away from him. So he doesn't try to kill himself. Outside. 
Natalie's freaking out because she just heard the gunshot. She doesn't know what's going on. She's crying and screaming. And the SWAT team is like holding her back because she wants to run in and see what happened, which like, all right, I can't blame you. That's terrifying. I, I get it. So Maggie and April show up, which like April, what are you doing here? Huh? Well, they're like a they're like a girl gang. But like she, in the beginning, they were not as much now, but in the beginning, they were like a big girl gang. Was she just like, peace out, Ethan? I'll be right back. I mean, her friend was missing. Her but friend like, was kidnapped. She had an appointment at the fertility clinic. Like, I don't know. Not at 10 p.m. at night. But that scene happened before they went to the fertility doctor. Right. But this is probably at, like, 10 p.m. at night. Like, the fertility appointment's the next day. I know. If we keep asking questions about logistics, we're just going to, like, make <laughs> ourselves tired. I know. But again, what was the point of kidnapping them? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So afterwards, Maggie and April show up and she's like, they won't tell me anything. Holy shit, whatever. And then finally SWAT comes out and Crockett comes out and Natalie just like runs to him and gives him this like crying hug. Bryna, you're like holding your hands to your face. Go ahead. Get the feels out. Go ahead. I don't know why I love this, but I really love this. I I, I watched this scene, Gina. Like I literally watched this scene, I don't know, probably like four or five times today. I was just kind of like, okay. I, I mean, don't know. Like, here's the thing. Do I like Will and Natalie? Of course I like Like, who doesn't like Will and Natalie? Mm-hmm. But Will and Natalie, as we've said many times, they're bad for each other. Like, they're, they're, they're bad for each other. Right. This is honestly maybe the first time I've ever actually felt, like, excited about a med ship. Really? Yes, and I don't know why. I felt like no chemistry or anything off of them in that scene. Oh, I was like all in on this scene. I don't know why. And again, I know that it's crazy and I know that people are going to like throw things at me. But like, I, I, yeah. You guys do not throw things at Bryna. That is not nice. (laughs) I'm just saying, like, yeah, like, I know it's weird, but like, and I also feel like it's so obvious that's the road they're going down. Which brings us to another topic here, because obviously they they hug and, you know, Natalie is just like super upset. And so, you know, just like Crockett has his arm around or whatever. And we cut to April and she's just like got this like longing glance. Okay, listen. God, April, what the hell are you doing? These are two grown ass women. Okay, grown ass women, extremely intelligent, very good at what they do. I am not here for them fighting over a boy. Okay, but here's the thing. Natalie can do whatever the fuck she wants she's a single woman crockett is a single guy like she can do whatever the fuck she wants and so can april yes but april is an engaged woman didn't keep her from kissing crockett oh i said it technically that was before she got engaged Mm. but yes yes semantics i know i know (laughs) but here's the thing april just needs to figure out what the fuck she wants because you cannot look at Crockett the way you... Well, here's the thing. You can look at Crockett the way you do. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. But then, like, you also can't be trying to have a baby with Ethan. It's not fair to either one of them. Right. And I'm not even talking about April here. It's not fair to Crockett. And it's not fair to Ethan. I mean, she has to figure out what she wants after she tells the truth. The first thing she absolutely has to do is tell the truth. Then she can figure out what she wants. Well, I think she needs to figure out both. Yes, I agree she needs to tell the truth first, but, like, it also doesn't matter. Well, yes, it does matter, because Ethan deserves to know the truth. 
But, like, Ethan's, the first thing Ethan's going to ask her was, like, well, so do you have feelings for him? So she needs to have that figured out. Mm-hmm. You know she, she wants out. Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. And Ethan's not even going to give her that choice either, but, like, he doesn't, it doesn't matter because he can do whatever he wants. He deserves everything. Yeah. Dude, I know. This just whole thing is just bananas. But I will say the only thing that I did like, like, okay, so they hugged, whatever, that was fine. And then when Jay was like, you know, that guy owes you his life and he walked away and she was still crying and then Crockett like pulled her in. That was the only thing that I was like, oh, these two. Okay. But otherwise I wasn't like none of that throughout that whole thing. I was like, ooh, chemistry. I feel this. Mm -mm." Well, I don't know. It wasn't even, it was like that scene. Cause it wasn't necessarily like I felt so strongly about it like, the rest of the episode, it was just something about, and maybe I won't feel this way after, like, the trauma of the week is gone, I don't know, mm-hmm. but, like, something about that moment, just, I don't know, it got to me. Mm-hmm. It got to me. Okay. Um, I do want to address this, I didn't ever have to put it in the outline, but mm-hmm. we got an email today from Elizabeth, mm-hmm. and she had, like, a question, comment, she said, um... I just feel like Natalie as a person would have had some flashbacks to Will being kidnapped. I mean, it was kind of a major life thing for her, even though they've not shared scenes spoken for ages. Like, if she was a real human, it seems like this would have brought up some PTSD from that. Like, maybe we just haven't seen it yet, and it all just kind of happens and resolves in the episode. But, like, doesn't it, it doesn't seem like we're heading in that direction if it will be brought up. I kind of feel like Will's out of sight, out of mind for her right now. No, but... She was on the other side of someone being kidnapped before. So right. not even necessarily that she was thinking of Will in this moment, but just thinking about, like, oh, like, now she's essentially gone through it twice. But she didn't know that he was kidnapped at the time. Right, but she knows now. And, like, still to bring that, I don't know. I mean, like, I also think they're never going to bring it up because, like, like you said, Will currently in Natalie's life is out of sight, out of mind. But I do think realistically it's not out of the question that this episode would bring up some of those feelings right i don't know interesting interesting point yeah so that's crockett and natalie man these two these two were having about as rough of a week as the rest of us are yeah. So elsewhere in the hospital, we had April and Ethan because it's a day that ends in Y. Of course, we've got April and Ethan, you know, whatever. So we start off and April and a few other nurses are like standing at the nurse's station playing Gossip Girl, like speculating on whoever Crockett's hooking up with. OK, um, so Maggie's like, um, you guys have work to do. Like, please go away. And she's like, April, are you OK? And April's like, why do I care who he sees? Um, I don't know. Maybe you kissed him in the midseason finale. Because you're in love with him? Yeah. Because you're in love with him? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I, yeah. Have you tried that theory? Because I think that would work. She's just making <sighs> eyes at him now. Like, she's uh, April, girl. Like, uh, she's your... really on my nerves this season. I, she, I just, <laughs> she can't communicate what she needs or, like, what she's feeling. She can't say it ever. Right. And it's like, if you were still conflicted on how to proceed after you admitted it to yourself, okay, fine. But, like, admit it to yourself. It's okay. I mean, to Ethan, it might not be okay. But, like, it's okay. You were in love with Marcel Crockett. Crockett, yeah. Marcel, I'm like, <laughs> Crockett getting Marcel, the yeah. Whatever. Marcel Crockett. Like, that's okay. But, like, get it together, woman. Yeah. 
I mean, there's really no other way to say it. Like, get it together. Yeah. So April and Ethan have an appointment that night that it's the fertility doctor, fertility clinic. It's something with fertility. Okay, they're still going through IVF and they have an appointment that night. And so there's a frequent flyer patient named Jasmine and she comes in. So she's pregnant, but she's also in end stage liver disease. But she found a donor. And it turns out that it's her biological mother, which I'm just going to air quote for now, because I mean, the minute she was like, yeah, my biological mother, I was like, that's not her biological mother, like <laughs> called it immediately. So yep. Ethan checks on the biological mom and she had an episode of what's called malignant hyperthermia following foot surgery like years ago. I Googled. Did you Google? No. Okay. Time to Google. Malignant hyperthermia is like violent. Like, it sounds horrible. Okay, so I definitely Googled because I got curious and this didn't seem like unsafe to Google, like the girl allergic to her boyfriend's semen a couple weeks ago. Um, <laughs> so malignant hyperthermia is, and I quote from the internet because everything on the internet is true, a disease that causes a fast rise in body temperature and severe muscle contractions when someone with malignant hyperthermia gets general anesthesia. Malignant hyperthermia is passed down through families. So it's quite literally like the human form of like, you know, when the cartoon characters when we were little would get like super mad and they would turn bright red and smoke would pour out of their ears. Yeah. It's like the literal form of that. It's so weird. That sounds horrible. Well, and it's also in some ways like literally the opposite of hyperthermia too. Well, no, hypothermia is in cold is in the cold. Hyperthermia is like too hot. Oh, hyperthermia. Okay, never mind. I got you. I thought it said hypothermia. So that makes no sense. I got you now. TV doctors. Yeah, we got this. Uh-huh. We got this. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that sounds miserable and very painful and horrible. But Ethan points out to April, he's like, it's genetic, though. And Jasmine's had general anesthesia before. So um, let's just add this to the Chicago men drinking game of like, take a drink, because that's not her biological mother. Nope. 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 Too easy. Too easy. So the transplant goes great, which is awesome. Also, um, in this moment, I don't know if you caught the extremely obvious Walmart plug before the scene even started. Uh-uh. Okay, so we come back from commercial and literally like this woman passes by the camera with a Walmart bag and the Walmart bag is like right in the camera. So it's just like Walmart. <laughs> and then April walks I totally in. missed that. Oh, huge plug. Huge plug. I have to go watch it just for that. Yeah, yeah. Just so blatant. It's like on Wintry Hill when they used to like blatantly plug Sunkist. Oh, like, God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Blatant. Don't you remind me. I know. I know. Also, take a drink. Gina made a Wintry Hill reference. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And we've already made a Grace reference. Boom. Okay. So uh, basically, Lauren, Lauren is the girl who came in with Jasmine. She's super happy until she spots Arlene. Now, Arlene is from DCFS. I don't know if we've met her before, though. I don't think so. There's too many DCFS people. I don't think we've met them all. Okay. Well, yeah. So Arlene's this woman from DCFS and Lauren spots her. And then Lauren gets all skittish and tries to, like, sneak out. Turns out Lauren is a lying liar who lies because she used to work for DCFS. She doesn't work at a bank. She's a liar. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Liar. They conned this poor woman for her liver. The biological mom, the biological mom, which I say in air quotes, I say it again, like you can see me. You can't. One day I will realize that. Um, They conned Annette for her liver. 
I did not see that twist coming. I feel like every single week these medical cases get crazier and crazier. And then I Google and find out they're based on real things. And I'm just like, what is wrong with the world? Gina, hmm. we don't have time to answer that question. Especially not this week. Nope. Not, no. No. Oh, no. Nope. Nope. Okay. <sighs> so April and Ethan, they break the news. And they're just like, you know, we have to tell you something. Oh, my God, this is crazy. But Annette already knew. And she tells, like, the most heartbreaking story about her past, how, like, she had her baby too young. She had to give her up for adoption. She got in trouble. She did time. She got out. And when she find her, when she found her biological daughter, she found out that she had died in a shelter. And so she just explains, that, like, she's okay with everything because for the first time in her life, she has a family. Which, like, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, that was, like, all the tears moment. I was like, okay, I'm done. (laughs) But it also circles back to a lesson that the Supernatural fandom likes to preach all the time, that, like, family doesn't end in blood. You know, like, families, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's all different types of families. So, oh, goodness. So Ethan and April walk out, and Ethan's like, she wants to live in the lie. And April just goes, guess sometimes the truth is more painful. Hmm, April, you think? (sighs) I cannot wait for the next episode because i'm ready for this to be done oh my god like it's gonna be it's gonna be bad like bad. it's gonna be bad but i'm ready for it just to be all out in the open i feel and like deal with the consequences. i feel like we need to like hide behind our couches or like maybe put some tables up as like a shield because just like it's gonna be it's gonna be rough shit is going to but be also, the fan but also that on top of whatever is happening with like the pregnancy the, it, the pregnancy that oh it's gonna be bad. Okay, let's talk about this promo while we're here. So, Should we just finish though, real quick, and then go to the promo? Oh yeah, we've I'm not done that. yet. <laughs> Thank you, Brenda. <laughs> uh, yeah, just just bear with me, guys. Sorry. Okay, so we're not done yet. At the fertility clinic, we find out that none of the eggs have been fertilized, and so Ethan's like, "All right, we'll take some time. We'll talk about it." But April's like, "No, no, we're doing another round. Like, let's go." But why? I know. This is after she makes the eyes at Crockett. So is she trying to, like, is she trying to bury her feelings for Crockett by, like, diving yeah, I in? Mean, I, that's my assumption. But, like, that is not the way to do it, girlfriend. April, having a baby is not going to fix this. <sighs> I can't. I know. can't. I know. can't. And also, she's willing to put her body through all of the stress that comes with IVF. She's willing to go to really extreme lengths just to forget her feelings for Crockett. I don't know. I mean, it, I guess it depends on what happens in the 100th episode. But, like, I don't know if Ethan, like, once, because they're going to break up at some point. Like, let's be real. They're they're going to break up. Whether it's the 100th episode, the finale, they're going to break up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Ethan should take April back after this. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, this is bad. I mean... We don't know what's going to happen in the next couple episodes, but like right. what we based off what we know, I mean, man, it's not looking good. she has gone to such lengths to continue with this lie. And it's not even it's not even a lie by like there's a lie by omission. What's the other one? Lie by something else. But this isn't even like an all out lie. This is a lie by omission. Well, and the thing is, too, it's not like she had sex with Crockett. She kissed him. I know. I know. Which, again, like, this... okay, she should not have kissed him. Like, okay, fine. We all agree she shouldn't have kissed him. Yeah. But, like, she didn't have sex with him. And, like, she's almost doing worse because she's, like, emotionally cheating, essentially. 
with all the eyes that she makes it crack it. Yeah. So, like, what the heck are you... Oh, I can't. I, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about this promo while we're still here then. So... All we see really is April just kind of like double over and like grab her stomach. And, you know, obviously she very quickly becomes a patient. And Ethan just kind of says, he's like, you have nothing to make up for. And she's like, yes, I do. And then we cut to Ethan and tears are streaming down his face. So, uh, okay. So like, do we, do we start with a lie? Do we start with the, what we think is probably another miscarriage? Uh, Yeah, I don't even know. And also, are we time jumping? Right? Because if she, if, she, if she got pregnant, it had to be, we have to be like, what, five or six weeks in the future? I think so. Because didn't the, didn't the doctor at the fertility clinic say that, you know, it would take six weeks to do another cycle? I think so. I'd have to go back and like really pay attention. Um, but I don't know. The only reason I say that doesn't make sense is because it makes it seem, based on how the Maggie and Ben stuff, Maggie and Ben are like, oh, well, I'd do it tomorrow. So I assume they wouldn't want to wait that long, even though that's not really that long. This was a very frustrating episode, and it circles back to logistics, because there's just so many, like, so many puzzle pieces that are not fitting. Nope. I don't know. I don't know. But also, please don't go the miscarriage slash, like, ectopic pregnancy route. Please don't do it. It's not cute. We've already had it once. Like. Might as well set yourself up for disappointment, Gina. No. And April's already miscarried once. How many more times are you going to do this to this poor woman? Uh-huh. Like. You might as well set yourself up for disappointment. It's going to happen. I don't have the energy to rant right now. If I did. It would happen, but I, I don't have the energy to rant again. Like, please save me from a rant, please. <sighs> I don't know. Okay, so uh, elsewhere, like across the ED, maybe even upstairs a little bit, we've got Will and Dr. Charles. <laughs> I don't even know. Bryna, please shut me up and take it away. <laughs> yeah, so basically, Will. Oh, Will no. with a big heart, but like, oh, Will. Oh, Will. Will goes to see Hannah who has checked herself into a rehab. Did she check herself in, though, or was she involuntarily put there? Either way, she's in a rehab. Mm-hmm. And Will's like, yeah, Hannah's expecting me, and the girl behind the desk is like, well, we don't really recommend visitors for the first 30, 48 hours, but go ahead in. Well, she's like, Will, come on now. Will totally lied his ass off. Yeah, no, 100%. Because he goes and sees Hannah, and she is sick and miserable. He doesn't even really go in the room at that point. But he runs into her doctor, who tells her that Hannah can't have the method, metha, methadone. Met, yeah, methadone. Um, and Will's like, why? And apparently it's because she's a doctor, and like she's in some kind of specific rehab where it's like, for doctors or for like medical professionals? Oh, I I missed that detail. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm missed. But like, basically, she can't have it because she's a doctor. Which is such Which a weird really technicality. Yeah. Weird. But anyway, and so we go back to the hospital and. Dr. Charles is talking to Will about it. 
and he reasons with Will. But Will is still pissed because he's Will. I kind of agree with him a little. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd go so far as to be like, it's inhumane, but like, it's kind of wrong to make her suffer just because she's a doctor. Well, no, I agree with that part. I don't agree, I guess, with what Will does at the end, but we'll get there. Um, so, yes, no, I agree that it's silly, and I think Will has the right to at least ask Dr. Charles or ask someone else about it and kind of voice his opinions about it. Yeah. But so, basically, the two of them work together on one of Dr. Charles' old patients, who's an 18-year-old girl who has, like, early-onset schizophrenia. And she's been off her meds for a little bit. And she says, you know, like, the antipsychotics make her numb. But she just turned 18, so her mom's not there at first. But then they finally call her mother in. And her mom, like, freaks out when she gets there. And just like the daughter said she would. Um, and Krista, the girl, the patient, ends up having a seizure while she's there. Which is not something she's ever had before. And so it looks like a seizure, though. But then you actually get to, like, the nitty-gritty, and apparently it's not a seizure. It's something called dyskinesia? Dyskinesia. Dyskinesia. There we go. Dyskinesia. Which is triggered by the interaction between the nausea meds and the antipsychotic. So she was just, the combination of the two was what's making her sick. It sounds horrible. Um, because apparently the mom has been giving her antipsychotic meds without her knowledge this entire time. Um, yeah, this is one of those gray areas of med. Yeah. Yeah. Like real gray areas. Yeah, because like on the one hand, she's got her life together. But on the other hand, she's being dosed without her knowledge. And, like, at the time, she was underage, so, like, her mom technically didn't really do anything wrong. Like, because it was her daughter and she was her caregiver because mm-hmm. she was under 18. But, like, still not the best road to go down. No, but the the mom's, like, motivation is what kills me is that, I mean, of course, she just wanted to protect her child and she wanted to do what was best for her. And so, you know, just... We never really realize the lengths our parents go to to yeah. like keep us safe and keep us healthy and yeah. happy. So that was what yeah. killed me. Yeah. So Krista, of course, is like freaking out and accidentally ends up like smacking her mom across the face because she's so mad. But then the mom gets mad at Dr. Charles because everything was under control before he got involved. Because, you know, blame it on the middleman. <laughs> Always. Not actually. Um, Poor Dr. And so Charles, then Dr. too. I know. So then he just essentially explains to the mom that she's got everything to lose and to, to learn how to effectively manage her illness. It's a hard truth. Yeah. But, I mean, at some point, you got to hear it. Mm-hmm. That is, I feel like, the theme of the episode. That That's true, actually. The theme of the episode. It really is, now that I think about it. Just the theme of Med in general. Mm. Um, And so the episode ends, though, when Will goes back to see Hannah. And this time, slips her some medicine that she's not supposed to take. Just for fuck's sake, Will. I know. And then Hannah, like, screams at him. And she's like, get the fuck out of here. I, like... 
Will was just like meddling in this episode. Like he was yeah with the Hannah stuff. I was like, what are you doing? Leave her alone. Yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. And I, I think this just further is what we talked about last week that Will doesn't care about Hannah. He just wants to cure her. Mm-hmm. Because if he really cared, he would have stopped. At, he got her in. He got her admitted. Okay, that's a great for. I mean, get her the help that she needs. Mm-hmm. But then let the people help her. But he wants to see it through to fruition for validation. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. just like going to see her, I was like, this cannot be good for her. Like, stop. That's not good for her. And then slipping her the medicine, and I'm so glad that Hannah. Like, she basically set him straight, and she was like, if I get caught with this shit, I will never practice again. Right. What? I just, I don't know. I mean, maybe this right. is... Well, Go ahead. I was going to say, like, and as someone who has been on, like, the border of losing his license many times before, like, I feel like Will would understand that fear. I feel like Will doesn't even realize how close he's been to losing his license every single time. I think he's just like, it's just like self-fulfilling prophecy. Like he just tells himself that he did the right thing and that he's just not in trouble. Yeah, but it's bad. I mm. No, I know. I know. Trust me. Oh, this honestly made me, might have even made me a little bit more heated than the April stuff. Really? It's bad, Gina. I know. And I Will does not realize that at this point in the game, the more he gets involved, the worse he's making it for her. Right. Well, I think the only reason, too, this makes me more heated than the April stuff. Like, April and Ethan, it's all, like, just drama. Like, it's like, I'm I'm mad at April for being so stupid. But at the end of the day, it's all about just, like, drama and, like, interpersonal connections. Mm -hmm. This is Hannah's health. And, like, this is, like, Hannah's actual, like, well-being. Will's too wrapped up in trying to atone for Lynn to see it. I I know. But that's why this makes me so mad. But, like, yeah, I just, oh, I can't. This, I mean, it's, it's kind of a Halstead trademark, isn't it? That, you know, they just get so wrapped up in trying to help that you know they kind of get tunnel vision and lose sight that like other things are going on yeah i just i know will's just gotta will's gotta learn distance at this point which like he won't no because he's will he's so stubborn it's it's bad he's so stubborn i know it's really bad it's really bad so will you also take us through maggie and ben Yes, the best part. Oh my god. Yeah, this perfection. Yeah. So basically, the episode starts, Maggie's waiting on the result of the scan, Ben's there, he's on a bowling team, apparently, and he has a game, or a match, whatever. Is it a game? I don't know. I don't know. We should know, though, because honestly, every time I talk about gymnastics with my boyfriend, he's like, so what time are they playing? I'm like, what time are they competing? I'm very particular about that, so I should probably find that out. Yeah, but anyway... And she won't find out the results till that night, which, again, the same time as his bowling tournament. We're just going to say tournament, and we'll just leave it at that. Um, And so Ben, of course, like, no, I think I'll skip it. Like, I want to be here with you. And she's like, no, like, go, and I will join with you later. 
And so we get fast forward basically to the very end of the episode. Ben, of course, shows up anyway. And Maggie gives him this huge speech about how he's in remission and he should be out enjoying his life and that, like, she doesn't want to be, like, dragging him down. And Ben, of course, handles it like a pro. And he's just like, you are my life. Like, I don't want to do this if you, you know, basically, I don't want to do this if you're not here in it. And, like, that was so my smooth heart. that, like, Severide needs to take notes. I know. Ben is like, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, we get the best news of all that Maggie is finally in remission. Whoop, whoop. I, yeah, love it. Yay. I mean, the, it's been too long. I'm glad. It, yes, just, I can't even talk. Like, I want, I'm like, I just gonna want to get choked up. I know. I was super happy about that. And then. Ben's like, well, so how do you want to celebrate? And she's like, I want to spend the rest of my life. Like, what would you say if I, like, wanted to spend the rest of my life with you? And so Ben and Maggie are getting married. They're getting married. Yay. That's our 100th episode wedding. Yay. I'm so excited about that. I about died when she said that to him. And he was like, do not play with me. Like, I would marry you tomorrow. I'm like, oh. Oh my god god the game so much game Maggie's just deserved this for so long and i just don't want to cry maggie really does deserve the world she does and she's getting it finally dare i say that she's chicago med cinnamon roll like she's the one that we need to protect at all costs in that show oh 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. yeah protect maggie at all costs I'm just so happy. I know. Me too. Me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also got a tweet from Connor before this episode aired, and he had said he was like, tonight Chicago Med, like the last scene is perfection. And Connor, you were right. I know. And I, he said that before, and I don't always agree. But this time I was like, you are, you were right. Yeah. Yeah. A plus. A plus. So good. Love it. So good. Any other notes on Med? The 100th episode is not next week because there's no new episodes, but the week after that, which exciting stuff because, I mean, 100, making it to 100 is a big deal, but, like, dang. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a doozy. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be nuts, but, yeah. Although somebody had pointed out, I want to say it was Vicky. It's interesting. So, Fire, 100th episode, wedding. <laughs> P- or Med, 100th episode, wedding. PD, Jay get riding on a motorcycle. I'll take it, though. Yeah, but it also just makes me, like, as crazy as I think Med's 100th episode is going to be, and I mean, we'll see it in two weeks. I wish PD had gotten its, like, own. I know. I know. Like, I would I forever do. wish that. Yeah. But. It's just sad. I know. But. Yeah. Anyway. I wonder, no. they didn't say, with this three-season renewal now, they didn't say if Fire was going to hit 200. I, you know, math is not my strong suit. Um, it will. That's so good. I love Cause that. Because Fire's 100th episode was in season five, and they're going to make it to 11. So I would assume, I mean, math, but, like, I would assume so. That's so exciting. I know. It's wild. And PD might make it, too, because PD would be season 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And their 100th was also in season five. So, yeah. Wait, was it in season five? It was, wasn't it? I think. I it mean, was, it, it was happen- a crossover. Yeah. But that was season, we're in season seven. And it wasn't last year. So yes. Math. Yeah. Yeah. Season five. Math's a bitch. 
but it's so exciting. Yay. Okay, so moving into fire. So med was kind of chaotic. Fire was a nice, like, change of pace. It was a nice slowdown that was, like, really needed after med. Well, there was actually, like, humor. Yeah, a lot of it, too. Yeah, which, which you know, amazing. Yeah, really good, really good. So we will start off with Bowden and Stella. We'll get the hangry ones out of the way. So (laughs) poor Bowden is super chippy with everybody in the morning meeting. Like, he's totally cranky, not being nice. And it's because Donna has him on a diet. He's got high cholesterol. And so Donna's got him on, like, all sorts of crazy foods. So our favorite millennials, Gallo and Ritter, they are basically trying to figure out making lunch because they've been put in charge of it. And so they are freaking out about the idea of making a separate meal for Bowden because, like, they just don't know what to do. And so Stella offers to talk to Chief about it. And their conversation just ends with Stella offering to participate in the diet with him. Which I love it. Yeah. Like Ritter yelling about, like Ritter and Gallo yelling about flax seeds was like everything I didn't know I needed in my life. Like that was an amazing scene. Um, My favorite was when they were planning the grocery list and Gallo was like, we're not cooks. And he was like, we're firefighters. Damn it. That was (laughs) so good. That was good. And then when uh, Gallo was like, screw it, I'm just putting hamburger buns and buns like on the list. And Ritter just goes, that's the bravest thing I've ever heard you say. So good. Again, they are the best things to ever happen. Like on this show, like they. It, I don't know what we did with life, in life before them, but like, I don't want to go back. We laughed a lot less, and that's no offense to you know Cruz and Herman and Mouch and Otis, Otis, but like we laughed a lot less. God, they're amazing. Like, and it's just, oh, it's just so good. I love our little millennials. They're so cute. Literally the best. The best. Totally the best. So Stella and Bowden, I mean, they're just angry all the time, but they somehow keep each other in line. But my favorite thing about this was that, like, okay, so Bowden, hangry Bowden is just mean. Hangry Stella drops truth bombs. So good. Which was so good. I know. Um, I about died when Casey walked into Molly's, which I think we'll get to at another point. But when she was like, what am I, his secretary? Like... It's so good. And then she was yelling at Casey, too, because, like, in that scene, she, Casey's like, have you seen Severide? And she's like, what do you mean? Because he didn't text you? She's just yelling. It was just. I love how she's like, what is wrong with you men? (laughs) Yeah. So good. Just truth bombs everywhere. So good. Yeah. So Stella and Bowden have this scene where they basically just, like, yell at each other. But the, the whole result of it is that Stella goes, if you're not quitting, I'm not quitting. And Foster's just like, this is so weird, but okay. Cool. Right, whatever. Cool. So the last call happens at a pizza place. Some crazy ass shit goes down there. We'll talk about that later. But basically the employee gives them a bunch of free pizzas to take back to the house. And this was also funny because Stella was like, we can't take that. And Gallo just like stepped in front of her and Casey took the pizzas. That was great. And then when they- Because nobody in, turns down free pizza. Ever. No, especially not six free pizzas. We should make that a rule of Chicago Fire. Like, don't put your feet on the dash. Don't do your eyeliner in the car. Don't turn down free pizza. Turn down free pizza. Yeah. No. Although, I was surprised. It was not deep dish. True story. True like, story. in Chicago, you make they make regular pizza in Chicago? Like, what? They do. That they do. Yep. Hmm. Good eye. <laughs> Good catch. Thank you. 
<laughs> important stuff. That is the important things that you need to know. The more you know. <laughs> um, yeah, and so Stella refuses to eat it, which the the funniest part of this is like when they pull back into the firehouse and Stella's like, I need to like inhale exhaust fumes. And Casey just like bites the pizza and he's like, that's the fastest I've ever seen you drive. <laughs> so good. Casey got jokes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but they come back and Stella comes in and she's about to bitch to Bowden and be like, you would not believe what just happened. But Bowden's eating a meatball sub. He has broken the diet. And it's funny because he's just like, Ritter says it's high in fiber. And they do everything together, just like they said. And Stella joins him and has a meatball sub. And they break the diet side by side, which is just adorable. Mm-hmm. So good. And then the last scene is Severide and Stella being super domestic and super adorable. And they're cooking like a huge meal. And Casey comes in and helps them. And again, just domesticated Stella ride. Yeah, and it doesn't even seem to bother Casey or them that Casey's just like absolutely third wheel in there, and it's just like. But he's being he's not though, and that's the killer. Is that like he walks in and they're not even like he's not a third wheel. He's just part of the family. Yeah, he's still third wheeling though. Hmm. Like it's not weird, but like he's still third wheeling. Hmm. I don't know. So elsewhere, we had this crazy ass case with Casey. So Mm -hmm. they get called to the scene where a car has driven into the lake, like Lake Michigan, which is like covered in ice this time of year. They pull the car out. They realize nobody's in there. And Severide's like, no, we're diving in and trying to find the body. Casey pulls rank, which like we don't often see him do on squad, but he did it Um, because, you know, it's his people. He's not going to put them at risk. But Severide's not happy. Severide does not like to be told no, which like I get that. But, you know. Especially when other people's lives are on the line. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's Kelly. Kelly doing Kelly things. Mm-hmm. So Casey tells Brett later on, he's like, man, like, I can't shake this one. It's weird. And Brett just, like, lays it out. And she's just like, you weighed the variables. You made a decision. And that's what makes you a good captain. The fact that you beat yourself up after afterwards is what makes you a good person. These two are just, like, full of gems of wisdom lately. I will say, one of the things, I know I'm not everyone's a big cassette fan, and this isn't even about, like, them maybe or maybe not being, like, a romantic thing later down the line. But, like, one of the things that I've really loved about the friendship they have started developing with these two is that Brett always knows how to cheer Casey up when he's feeling down about, like, being a leader. And she's always there to encourage him and, you know, be, like, remind him, like, no, like, you, basically, like, you are a captain for a reason. Yeah. And, like, it's okay to be a captain. Yeah, that's a good point. That, I mean, we saw Severide do the same thing for Herman a couple episodes ago. So, yeah, mm-hmm. they do a good job of that. And yeah. I feel like with Casey, he does a really good job of kind of helping. He does a good job of, like, clearing things up for Brett. When Brett gets too bogged down by certain things, yeah. he does a really good job of just saying, okay, well, let's look at it from this point of view. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. So Lisa Burke, the, uh, and I quote, drowning victim, shows up to the firehouse. So her fiance borrowed the car. She asks a bunch of questions about finding the body. And Casey's like, alrighty, lifetime movie killer who is not Ava. This is weird. So 
I know. Casey goes to Severide's office and he's just like, should I tell the police? Like, what should I do? I don't know. And at this point, I was like, okay, good. These two are handling their little disagreement like adults. They realize it's not personal. It's professional. They're just putting it aside and moving it on. Not so much. Because Casey's like, should I call the police? Like, what should I do? And Severide's just like, it's your call. He's so petty. Why can't those two just like professionally disagree? And that's that. Because they can't. They are such men. Like, such men. Face palm. I know. <sighs> so the police officer, we don't know her, but she shows up and she tells him that apparently somebody messed with the throttle on Lisa's car. And she goes, you know, I'm pretty sure this wasn't an accident. It was murder. It's like, oh, that escalated quickly. <laughs> that escalated very quickly. So Lisa Burke comes back by the firehouse. And I mean, she just storms in and she's like, what the hell did you tell the police? Like, bitch Ah. so she sits down with casey and tells the whole story so like her bank account had been emptied all of this crazy shit went down she didn't murder him he conned her that sucks lots of conning happening happening in one chicago this week lots of conning can we just like not not yeah i guess it's true with men and yeah yeah y'all taking other people's money and taking other people's organs it's not nice don't it's not nice at all don't do it would not no, recommend. Stay away from the con world. Yeah, just stay away from conning people. So Casey and Severide, they make up, thanks to Stella, geez, and they talk more about the case. But, like, they don't even really make up. It's just kind of Casey's like, all right, like, I have to ask, good are now? we good? Yeah. She, he's like, do we need to talk about this? And Severide's like, talk? What? Like, we're dudes. Like, dudes don't talk. Grr. So weird. Except Severide and Casey do. They do, like I a know. lot, and that's why we love them. I know, but like, yeah, because they have cigar chats. I mean, hello. Oh my god, I miss those. We haven't had one of those in a minute. I know, Derek, bring those back. Granted, it's been like zero degrees in Chicago. I understand, but also like that didn't keep Severide from grilling outside that that's one episode. That's never stopped them before. That's never stopped them before. I know, I know. Yeah, it would stop me. I don't know how they deal with that cold. Goodness. Heck no. I know. So. While Casey and Severide are talking, um, you know, Casey gets an idea. But the part of this conversation that got me was that Casey basically asked Severide a question about the car and like the throttle and everything. And Severide just very casually is like, well, late model Nissans were equipped with this thing that could allow for this if you do this, this and this. I'm like, how do you know that? Severide is like created. Severide was definitely created in a lab. Like Benny is not actually his father. (laughs) There's no way. I love it. I was just no gonna way. Say, yeah, I was just gonna say that I want to see Severide on like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, but I like your idea a lot better. He was created in a lab. He had to be. <laughs> um, I really need the Kelly Severide origin story now. Yeah, I mean, whew. yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to think about it. And it's gotta, like it's got to be a Marvel movie because like, he's an Avenger. We have already set that. We've already established that. Right? So that means perfect. It's, I feel like I'm imagining it kind of like Avengers meets Superman, you know, like in that, because like Superman in terms of like getting the adoption, you know, and so Benny <laughs> adopted him. You know what? Yeah. Do you think like it was just like Superman, like there was like a meteor or something and then like Benny and Mama Sev found him in like a field or something in a basket? No, it was like Captain America because we've always said he's kind of like Captain America because Captain America was essentially created in a lab. So there we go. <laughs> I love this so much. <laughs> Oh, this is great. 
There we go. Okay. That, okay. Uh, that is how Kelly Severide came to be. So basically when Derek returns to the podcast in the spring, um, we're going to pitch this to him is what's going to happen. And yes, because we've always said we wanted our Severide spinoff series. It's true. It's true. And we won't be surprised in the least bit when Derek cancels on us very, very quickly. It's okay. Derek loves us. <laughs> oh, man. I am here for this Severide origin story. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> well, and, then, he- and then, no, and then the spinoff series essentially turns into like a Smallville light. So there we go. <laughs> so does this end up on the CW or is this also on NBC? Hmm. That's a great question. Depends on the kind of content we want in it. Okay. Okay. Maybe Severide's like superhero origin story can air on Sunday nights after John Seda's pilot about the La Brea like sinkhole. Yeah. Yes, that is a great. Nailed it. Nailed it. Got it. 2021 <laughs> NBC lineup done. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, I don't even know where all that came from. I just. Yeah. It came from our brilliant minds. It just poured right out of me. You guys listen to a podcast that we do, as in, like, we host this. You guys are stuck with us forever. This, for three more years. (laughs) Three more years. You choose to listen to us, too. Imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I promise I haven't even had anything to drink. Like, this is totally sober, Bryna. This is, yeah, just we're sober podcasting tonight, and we're, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So... Over in reality, um, <laughs> Casey gets an idea, starts doing some digging. He shows up to Gary's house. I air quote Gary. He found Gary way too easily is all I'm saying. I don't even know. Like, he kind of, he can sometimes join Severide over in Intelligence because I don't know if I would have ever thought to be like, oh, yeah, let me check all the, like, plane and train hobby stores and, like, take this guy's picture around to, like, figure, like who the fuck comes up with that idea? That is indeed some detective shit. That's what I'm saying. Casey can sometimes join. He has an invitation sometimes. Okay. Sometimes. Only sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Sometimes. Yeah. And so it turns out this guy's got a wife and kids. So, I mean, he's just a total, like, as Casey says, he's a scumbag. Ooh, I need that gif of that moment, too, when he's like, no, you're a scumbag. I was like, ooh, not Casey. I see you. Um, Yep. We need to reach out to the fire account. (laughs) Please gif that moment. (laughs) Kay thinks. Kay thinks bye. Kay thinks bye. Pretty great. So, so that's the Casey stuff. Just lots of, lots of stuff happening. Lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. So. We've also got Brett. Bryna, please take it away. Yes. So Brett and her biological mom, Julie, get meat for coffee. There's a lot of meeting in different, like, food and drink places for them in this episode. I mean, so meet for coffee. They Julie's meet for drinks pregnant. a couple times. Yeah, Julie's pregnant, so I mean, they can't just go to Molly's all the time. But they went to Molly's twice. I know, but you know, can't go yeah. to Molly's at like ten in the morning. True. Anyway, and so they're just hanging out, you know, getting to know each other about each other. And at one point, um, Julie's like, "What's your favorite color of food?" I don't remember what it was. And Brett's like, "You really want to know?" And she's like, "Sylvie, like, I want to know everything about you." So Sylvia, I feel like, feels more confident in herself after that. Yeah. 
And so Brett is sitting on the bed back of the firehouse and she shows Casey some baby photos that Julie gave her from when, you know, they had coffee. And Brett tells Casey though, she's like, I don't know if I want to get too close because I feel like I'm, I get, I'm getting that feeling like she might disappear again. And I don't want to have to deal with that. And so then though, they're hanging out at Molly's and Casey walks in. And Julie starts to have this, like, stomach pain. So the two of them take her to med to get checked out. And she just had Braxton Higgs, so she's fine. Can we talk uh, about the wavelength these two are on, though? Because, like, when Julie, like, doubles over, all Brett says, she's like, my car's down the street. He's like, I will meet you out front. Like, love these them. two. Love them. And, like, Brett got to feel her half-sister move. So, it was, you know, lots of bonding happening here. I feel like if I'm a pregnant woman... I do not want people touching my stomach. That's like never, never gelled with me when people are like, want to feel the baby kick? I'm like, I don't want to touch your stomach. No offense to you, but like, I imagine you hate that too. Yeah. I feel like this is like slightly different though, because at least they're siblings. It's not some like random stranger. That's true. I But still, like like, this is Brett's half sister. It's not like she's just touching some random woman's belly that's true i'm I'm, i feel like in the future when i have kids i'm going to be the bitchiest pregnant woman because like random people will touch my stomach and i'll be like i'm sorry like where on what 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 gave you the the idea that you could do that yeah yeah pretty much Mm -hmm. so casey leaves he's like i'll give you two a minute and Julie's like, oh, you know, like, how long have you two been dating? Like, he's so great. And Brett's like, no, we're just friends. And, like, Julie literally, she, like, does an eye roll. And she's like, okay, if you say you so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Julie can tell. Like, we all, it, duh. Uh, yeah. It's gonna happen. It's pretty obvious. And basically, the episode ends, in this terms of this storyline, the episode ends, um, they have another outing at Molly's. And Julie tells her that she and her hubby are going to move to Chicago, if that's okay with Brett. And Brett's like, I've never been more excited. Like, that's awesome. So, yeah, things seem to be going pretty well for them. Was that the life-altering news that we were supposed to get? I think so. Okay. Okay. I mean, I guess that counts as life-altering. Yeah. And, like, she's making a further commitment to, like, get to know Brett and... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would assume so. Yeah. So that's cool. But yeah, that's the Brett and Julie and all that. that that's a, that storyline. Yeah, pretty good. So the last bit we've got is a feelsy one. It's like, mm, mm. Um, all the tears. Oh, so many tears. Brenda, will you please take us through this? Yeah. So we have to talk about Herman and Lily because Lily. Lily shows up at the firehouse. Finally, for the first time since Otis's death. And Cruz, like, pulls her into the biggest bear hug. And I just, like, okay, I'm done. Like, that's it. I'm done. Put <laughs> yeah. a fork in me. I'm done. Um, I really hope Lily comes to the wedding. She has like, to. Like, I would love that. She has to. I know. If she doesn't, I will actually be, like, really sad. <laughs> I, like, I feel like her coming back makes it especially likely that she will. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. So basically, Lily stopped by 51 to talk to Herman about seeing if he could help her open up a coffee shop bakery thing, which, of course, he's like, a duh. Like, of course I will. Um, and so Herman and Lily together go look at this one place that Lily thinks is perfect. It's, you know, it's like this big open space, exposed brick, you know, all the, like, hot hipstery sh- 
city vibes. <laughs> and so Lily goes off. She's going to measure the kitchen. And Herman's like, I'm going to try to negotiate the price down because, like, Lily can't afford it where it is. And, of course, that doesn't go as well. Herman is overconfident, and the realtor is like, yeah, no. No. But Herman doesn't want to break Lily's heart. So he offers to give Lily money for the perfect place, like help her invest in her business, essentially, until she can, like, get it off the ground. And Mouch is like, I don't think you were made of that kind of money, Herman. And Herman's like, this is Lily we're talking about here. Like, the love of Otis's life. And I was like, I'm done. Ugh. I'm done. Kill me. I can't do it. You know, I was going, I think we talked about this in our wish list episode, but we, I mean, we saw the premiere, like, three weeks early right didn't we see it like super early um yeah two weeks something like that it was like really early yeah and so and this was before our wishlist episode and i mean if we hadn't seen the the premiere i was definitely gonna say that i wanted to see an otis and lily engagement oh yeah and i feel like that would have happened oh my god totally would have i know no just sad i know otis is literally a fictional death i will never get never get over no and it like hurts more i think because they constantly bring it up which i'm glad they constantly bring it up because if someone was really that part of that big a part of your life like they would always you know be a part of your life and it would be something that's brought up so i'm glad they're doing it but on the other hand i'm just like fuck like my emotions can't handle it every time right Right. do it and so even though herman has this big heart cindy stops by the firehouse and is like we can't make the loan to lily work like with our financial situation like I know you want to, and I want to, too, but, like, we, we can't do it. And Herman's like, I know. Like, I, I got it. Like, I understand. And so he goes and tells Lily, and Lily's like, yeah, I I get it. Trust me. Like, I can find a cheaper place. And she even says, she's like, I can always find a cheaper space, but, like, from the way Brian talked, I like, I know I'll never find a better mentor than you. Ugh. It hurts so good. Uh, yeah, literally. It hurts so good. And what about when Herman was like, you will be part of this 51 family forever. And she was like, it took me a really long time to realize that. But I know that now. I'm done. I know. Just stick a fork in us. We're done. That's yeah, a wrap. I'm, yep. We're done. Yep. Just good night, everybody. See you next week. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Very like it, w- it was a very like toned down, like guilty kind of episode, which is good, though. I feel like we needed that. But it was like that was like the undertone because uh, I mean, like, the humor was the bigger part of it. Big time. Which is good. It was It was good. It was nice. Yeah. Especially sandwiched between, like, the Met episode and then, like, even the PD episode. Like, we needed that humor. Yeah. Badly. For sure. For sure. So, any other notes on fire? No, I think. I mean, solid episode. Solid. Moving yeah. into PD. Oh, my God. The sweet, sugary, upstead goodness. Yeah, and a case that, like, took me way too long to honestly outline. Like, I was so confused. I was like, what the... This case was not weird. Dense, maybe? Yeah. It just... Something about it, it took me, like, way longer. Like, I flew through fire, and I was like, okay, I got this. That line's going great. And then, like, I got to PD, and it took me, like, ten times longer than it should have. The thing with this case, too, is that usually on PD, you, like, hop from suspect to suspect, right? Like, you meet suspect A, and then totally, like, and then suddenly it leads to suspect B, who leads to suspect mm-hmm. C, and you bounce around. This episode, they really just stick with Michelle. Right. And then in terms, or in turn, also Shane, but yeah. Yeah. And so 
What I will say about this is that, I mean, this was a good episode, but I don't think it lived up to the hype. No, and I don't, but here's the thing, too. I love the one Chicago fandom, Mm -hmm. but I think the hype came from them. It's not like PD was out there hyping this episode up. Well, the hype came from all of us. I mean, we're all guilty of it. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, it came from the fandom side. It wasn't like, they didn't hype it up as, like, this big upset episode or whatever. Like, the the hype came from the fandom. Mm -hmm. Because the fandom saw the promo, or the description was like, oh my gosh. And then, like, the promo, too, a little bit. But really from the description, and people were like, oh my god, it's gotta be a big upset episode. I think that description was way off of what happened in the episode. I do, too. And so, like, maybe I guess in their turn, it, it is their fault because, you know, they write the descriptions. But still, like, I, it wasn't like they were out there, like, hyping it up crazy. No, I mean, we got excited because anytime we see Jay and Haley in the same scene, our feelings, like, skyrocket. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we start off and Jay is getting checked out because it's been six weeks since the shooting that I really don't want to keep talking about. And I hate that they keep bringing it up. And it's, like, only been six weeks? Like, dang, there's a lot of stuff that's happened in that six weeks. No, it's been, like, it's been closer to eight weeks, because the season premiere was January 8th. But six weeks in their world. Okay. That works. And also, we forgot there was, like, two weeks of hiatus in there. You are correct. You are correct. So. So, but I have to ask, like, what is the purpose of this doctor's appointment, other than to show Jay being a total dick to this doctor? Right, well, and, like, he... Even says at one point, he's like, sign whatever you've got to sign to get me back to work. You've been back at work. You've been cleared for like a month now. I don't understand. What is the point? What What is the point? Right. Unless he's been working when he wasn't supposed to be. Like. But he was in a sling that week. He was. He said he's like, yeah, the doctor won't clear me for another week or something. Right. And then he got back. So everything. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, when the doctor was like, so how are you feeling mentally? Like, are you feeling okay? Blah, blah, blah. And like, there was like a moment between when the doctor asked the questions and when Jay answered that I was just like, nope. <laughs> like, he asked something about like, are, how are you doing? Are you okay? And I was like, he's not going to tell you. Like, hell no. No, nothing he's going to tell you at all. Um, and yeah, again, Jay's like a total dick to this doctor. And so uh, there's a point where the doctor's like, I've read your injured on duty record and like lists off like, a laundry list of times when he's been injured just on duty. Right. And he doesn't even name every time he's been shot. Like, it's like, oh, you've had, you know, a couple broken fingers, a broken wrist, a hundred stitches, blah, 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 blah. It's like, dang. Yeah. Not the first time you've been shot on duty. The third? The second that we've seen. No, third. He got shot on fire. Oh, he got shot in the crossover. Yeah, yeah. Uh Uh-huh, and then he got shot. Yeah. I don't like seeing Jay get shot, so I block it out of my memory. I know. I don't like it. Me either. Which, like, why why are we still talking about this? Can we please just, like, not talk about this anymore? Can we just put this behind us? Mm Mm-hmm. How about all the other things that have happened in PD that have been, like, substantial that we've just never mentioned again? Can we just treat it like that? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. The, the whole good thing about this is that Haley's waiting for him outside because, of course, because they're adorable. And they're partnered up again. In it's because Haley asked them to be partnered up again. But, like, they've been partnered up for weeks now. I know. I didn't want to ruin the cute moment on Twitter, but, like, it made no sense. Made no sense. There has been more Upstead than there has been Upton and Rojas since Upton and Rojas got paired together. 
Yeah, I don't. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I'm just. I'm done. Everything tonight makes no sense. Nothing makes sense in one Chicago this week. And also, so are Rosewater still partners now, or are Rojas and Burgess partners? I don't understand. I don't know. Who's partners with who? There's so many logistics now that I'm just like, this is hurting my brain. Well, and then like on the occasion, uh, occasionally you'll see Jay and Kim partner together too, and it's like, what? I know. I don't know. I don't know anything anymore. I don't know. Neither. <laughs> who do I do this podcast with again? Who are you? <laughs> um, yeah, I know. It's weird. So Haley and Jay catch a robbery, but the guys ultimately get away. And it's at this, like, check cashing place. Um, yeah. Oh, the irony, though, that, like, Jay just came from a doctor's appointment where the doctor's basically like, don't get shot again. And now he's, like, getting shot at. It's like, Cool stubbornness is well ingrained in that Halstead DNA. Yeah. They should just change their last name to stubborn. Like I can't even. Right. Right. Or just bubble wrap both of them. That that could be helpful. Yeah. That'd be nice. Just bubble wrap Jay and keep him in the 21st so he can't leave. Okay. Thanks. And then like bubble wrap Will and keep him as far away from Hannah as possible. Yeah. It's a good plan. Good plan. Yeah. So Jay talks to a witness named Michelle Taylor, but she said that she didn't see much. So back at the 21st, we get this Burzik scene that like it, we're like five minutes into the episode and we get a Burzik scene that just like had me on the floor. Like, ugh. OK, so Burgess gives Ruzik hockey tickets and Ruzik's like, uh, what, what is this? And Burgess just says, she's like, from when I was pregnant to when I wasn't, you've been there for me and I appreciate it. I feel like you've been with me this whole way. And she walks away and Ruzik makes like the softest remark ever. Just very quietly. He's just like, I'm still with you. Adam Ruzik, how dare you, sir? I have things to do. I can't be sitting around crying over this line all day. Okay, so there's a couple questions that we got about this. Um, from Haley, and she wanted to know, for the Burzik scene, when Kim mentions Ruzik being there for every step of the way, do you think that she just meant the pregnancy or, like, actually their whole relationship? I would hope it's, I mean, it's gotta be their whole relationship. He really has been there for her. Right, and I think she says the pregnancy, but, like, I think she implied the whole relationship. Um, but then she also wants to know, like, do we think Ruzik's response is sort of him saying, like, I'm still in love with you? Oh, yeah. Everything Ruzik does is him saying, I'm still in love with you. I know. It's, like, so obvious. Literally everything. Which is why, okay, so my question, and then I'll get back to another one of Haley's questions. So my question is, though, like, they're giving us so much Burzik. Like, I didn't think even after, like, they lost the baby, I was like, oh, we're going to get one scene. We'll be fine. Like, you know, and then we're never going to get Burzik again. But, we're like, we're getting, like, a ton of Burzik. Like, do we think they're actually setting them up for something? Whether they actually end up in a relationship, I don't know. But, like, do we think we get a Burzik kiss by the end of the season? I would hope so. I mean, they just went through so much together that it would be so ridiculous for them to just go back to how it was before Burgess was pregnant. Right. That's what I think. I think, I mean, we can't say, like, I can't say whether they're going to end up in a relationship. Like, I don't who knows but i feel like they're gonna kiss by the end of the season i just i and i've said this before is that i just don't feel like burgess feels the same way about him that he feels about her she's just she's always holding him at arm's length always 
Well, I feel like, I feel like with this scene in particular, I feel like maybe she's starting to see like, oh, maybe I should like let him back in. I don't think she's there yet, but I think maybe she might be opening up to the idea. But like where we go from here, I don't know. So like, I'm going to hold off on that. Yeah. But I feel like that could have been like her opening up being like, oh, you know, like you've actually always been there for me. Maybe I should like let you in a little bit more. Yeah. Definitely a good first step. Yeah. But then Haley also wanted to know, she was like, I know in the past PD hasn't been able to make more than one success, one ship successful at a time. Like if Lynn's did happen, then first it couldn't happen or something like that. And she said, do you think with Ives PD version of PD, we can get to a place where we have both like upset and Bersic and then like maybe we watered down the line. I think we can. And I think that's because overall, I just doesn't really care about ships as much as other writers and showrunners do. So I think we can, because I think if we were to get to that point, it would just be a result of I not really kind of realizing like, hey, wait, both ships are happy at the same time. Does that make sense? Well, so here's my thing. Mm -hmm. I think we can because of that. Like, I don't I don't think it's going to be a thing where it's like we can only have upset or we can only have first egg or we can only have for water. Mm-hmm. My worry is that they won't put all of them together because they're all in the same unit. And like, that's kind of weird. That's a little weird. That is a little weird. I don't want all three at once. I think that would be overkill. But even too, like the difference when it happened before was like, Linstead was an intelligence and Burzik, Ruzik was an intelligence, but Burgess was still on patrol. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't as weird. This, they're all an intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. So like I, that, that's my only hesitation. That's mm-hmm. the only reason I would see it not happening. Not because they feel like they can't have it happen at both times, but because they're all in intelligence and it's a little weird to have like everyone dating each other and like nobody else single except for Voight. I feel like if all, th- <clears throat> all three were dating at the same time, Voight would be like, what the hell is wrong with you people? This is the only reason I feel like they aren't going to all happen. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. So uh, I'm still with you. Adam Ruzek. I wish I knew your middle name so I could like reprimand you properly. <laughs> Goodness. So all they've got so far in the case, three guys, two go inside to hit the place while the other waits in the van. And they spray painted the security cameras. They torched the van after they abandoned it. So, you know, they sort of know what they're doing. They've also hit other check cashing places in the past few weeks. So there's a pattern. So security footage suggests that they had a lookout and so they bring in this kid, but he wasn't working with the crew, but he does say that there was a woman across the street who looked suspicious. And so when he describes her, Jay realizes that it was Michelle. And so Jay goes to visit Michelle at the flower shop where she worked and she comes clean. I mean, we, we get a very, very sassy Jay in the scene, which is funny. Um, but her name's not really Michelle Taylor. It's Michelle Sullivan. Um, and she kind of comes clean, but her husband comes in. And I feel like the minute the husband walks in, Jay knows everything. Like, Jay immediately mm-hmm. is like, she's being abused. Yeah. Yeah. It's badass. So, freaks out when the husband comes in. The husband thinks he's a customer. So, Jay's just like, yeah, I'm buying flowers for my girlfriend. And he walks away with, like, a thing of red roses. And so... Everybody's freaking out about this because they say that he gave the roses to Haley. I'm telling you, I've watched this scene and I've watched the gif about a hundred times. He puts them in the passenger seat. Right. But he makes, he says something like for you or something like that. I didn't hear that. I just heard her say, what a guy. Yeah. But I mean, okay, maybe that's what it is. But like still implies that he gives them to her. Like he bring, you know, 
he like makes a gesture of it before he like puts him in the seat. Hmm. I mean, I'll totally count it if, you know, everybody else is counting it. I'll totally say that Jay gave Haley flowers. I mean, like, obviously everyone knows that it's, like, you know, like, I know that it's not, like, real. Like, obviously he's not really giving Haley the flowers. It's more just, like, the gesture of, like, he said he was going to give them to his girlfriend. And then he, you know, Haley's in the car. Well, you know, the whole thing. I really enjoyed the Wolf Entertainment tweet from, like, it had the gif of him getting in the car. And it said, what a good detective. But the word boyfriend was scratched out. (laughs) love it that was good that was good see what you did there (laughs) so uh you know jay just explains he's like something didn't feel right because of course it didn't like you know jay Jay figured it out immediately the husband's a convicted felon for armed robbery great because of course he is of course of course (sighs) so jay and Haley start following the husband but they don't really have the evidence to convict him so they bring in michelle but she won't turn on him and so they try to explain to her, they're like, you're not going home because like, if you don't, you know, if you don't give us something to work with, you're going down as an accomplice to this robbery. And still, it's just like not really clicking. And so Platt ran 911 calls to the Sullivan house and, you know, from like the past couple of years. And meanwhile, Haley and Jay go question a doctor at Med who had helped Michelle four years ago with a domestic. And they look at the pictures and everything and jay was right even though jay didn't say anything his hunch was right because you know he had that hunch because like jay um michelle Mm -hmm. was indeed abused um and badly so i mean the pictures are pretty brutal really brutal yeah so they show her the pictures to try and convince her to turn and she finally admits that you know she overheard shane talking about a job at the strip and she knew what that was and so she tried to stop him and so Voight's like, let's get her to wear a wire. We'll get her to confess. And Haley is like, Haley kind of pipes in here. And she's just like, no, like, that's not how this works. So she explains that, you know, I've been behind those closed doors when I was a kid. And I know what it's like when you've been abused like her for so many years, you give up hope. And so he just, she just mentions that, like, she's just trying to survive. And so Haley's like, we need to give her hope right now. So they show her this safe house. But obviously, it's conditional upon wearing the wire. And so she finally agrees. And so Haley and Jay stake out and they hear them fighting and Jay really wants to go in, but Haley somehow convinces him not to. And I mean, this is just Jay being Jay, really. Uh, And this is also where the description goes kind of wrong, right? Yeah, I'd have to go back and find like the actual description i'm gonna pull or it like up. maybe not the description but rick eyed i think did an interview and he was saying that like Haley and jay both had their own past with it yeah gee, um, hold on i'm gonna find it yeah so basically the description said an armed robbery case quickly goes turns into a homicide investigation when one suspect's background suggests domestic violence upton is forced to reckon with her childhood boyton hall said but heads over hall says Bryce's instinct. instinct. But they didn't even butt heads. I know, there was one scene. It and was they didn't really even butt heads. actually the opposite. And, yeah. Man. But, yeah, Jay... <laughs> Jay wants to get involved, like, immediately. He's, like, he hears them yelling, he knows it's gonna escalate, he grabs his gun, and he's ready. And Haley just explains, she's like, no, like, it's hard to listen, even harder to know when to intervene, but we're cops, so we've also got to think about the family of the guy who got murdered. Man, Haley's, like, Haley's got experience here, and, like, she's probably feeling a lot of, you know, feelings from when she was younger, and she's still able to be the voice of reason. 
Does Haley go see a therapist? Probably. I oh, think she does. I, yeah, I think she does. I think she does, and I and I think she's open about it too. I think she's kind of the kind of person who's completely unapologetic, and she's like, oh, in, in therapy the other day, and just like, it's nothing. Yeah, I feel like if anyone goes to see one in intelligence, it's her. No, yeah, yeah, hundred percent, yeah. Because I remember when Jay wanted to quit, and she was like, no, no, that's not how this works. Yeah, no, 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 not today. Brenda, will you take it from here? Yeah, so intelligence then figures out that, like, the one thing that all these robberies have had in common are deliveries from this thing, or this company called Conserva Armed Security. And basically, like, one of their drivers made cash deliveries at all of these stores before they were hit, this guy named John Franklin. And so they bring him in, of course, and he ends up, I mean, he fully confesses, and he's like, you know, I only did it because they gave him a cut, they gave me a cut of the money, and, like, I used it to help my sick mom, you know, she's cancer, all this stuff. And so, apparently, John had already sent the details out for another potential robbery that was happening the next day, so intelligence like, okay, we're going to keep that on the books as a way to trap Shane. And so, Haley and Jay are sitting on the Sullivan apartment waiting for Shane to leave to go to that robbery. And they hear more yelling, and once they hear, like, some glass breaking, Jay's like, okay, that's it. Like, fuck it, we're going in. And Shane's confused. He's like, you're a cop? Like, duh, of course he's a cop. (laughs) But so, like, once Michelle says, she's like, yeah, he laid a hand on me. Like, you know, he touched me, and they arrest him. And so this is that scene we were talking about. Like, so Jay then goes and tells Boyd later that he's like, I just couldn't sit there. He was like, you know, you talk about being in the moment all the time. And I was, he was like, I was just in the moment. And Boyd's like, do, well, do you regret it? And Jay's like, no, like I would do it again in a heartbeat. And Boyd says something that I honestly never thought we'd actually hear him say. <laughs> he says, he's like, look, Jay, like I know how you're wired, like through the heart, but He's like, someone's in trouble, you just go. Part of what makes you you, he's like, that's part of what makes you you, and I've made peace with it. Like, I don't think you could be any other way. Uh, that That is not butting heads. That is um, agreement. Right. That is righteous agreement. But even then, like, I don't know if I would call this, like, a righteous instinct. Really? No, I, I don't, I didn't see anything righteous about it. Um, I, it was, you know... I think he was yeah. right on. Right. Like, I would just call this having, like, a kind of passionate heart. Right. And I, I'm totally looking up, like, the online dictionary version of righteous. Right. Because I'm curious. Okay. So, morally right or justifiable or virtuous or very good, excellent. I mean, There's... I guess technically it's righteous, but I would not use righteous. I would use, like, compassionate. Yeah, I hear righteous and I think of somebody on, like, their high horse, on their pedestal, just being yeah, like, eh. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, I guess technically that is a righteous instinct, like, by dictionary definition, but I would use the word compassionate instead. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, the the fact of the matter is that when Voight says, you know, through the heart, like, that is nail on the head. That's how Jay rolls, like, through his heart. Right. So, basically, they, wait, wait, like, wait. they arrest... Can we, can we also yes. talk about that upstead scene? Which one? When he goes in to explain it to Haley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of okay. course. So after he talks to Voight, he walks in to talk to Haley. And it's not so much about what is said in this scene. It's more so about what's not said in this scene. Because 
Jay's just like, so I had to do that. And Haley's just like, I know. Super long, super awkward pause. Nothing happens. Nothing still happens. It's kind of uncomfortable. All the time in the world here to be like, by the way, I love you. But that wouldn't happen. Um, And then it just ends and Jay's just like, okay. And she's like, okay. And like, that's that. Just. Yeah. Haley's making eyes at him the whole time. Like there are major hard eyes happening. And like. There's hard eyes from him, too. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just go make yeah. out already. Yeah. So, like I said, they arrest Shane, and they bring him in for questioning. And they try to ask him about the robbery and, like, ask him to testify because it's, of course, like, the only way he's going to, anything's going to happen remotely good. Remotely good. Um, but he refuses, which, of course... So Haley gets the call from the Michelle. She's willing to press charges, so at least they'll be able to get Shane on the domestic. And so Haley goes downstairs, and she asks Platt, she's like, hey, can you look up and see what cell Shane's in? But as it turns out, he was transported to domestic court where no complainant showed up, so he was released, which is a terribly fucked up system. Uh, yeah, it's a, a terribly fucked up system. But that's what happens, apparently. So Haley and Jay are like, oh, shit, that that can't be good. So they rush over to the Sullivan apartment and they find Michelle, like, beaten on the floor. And so Jay, of course, once Shane comes into the room, Jay, of course, ends up punching Shane because, hi, have you met Jay Halstead? And I, what about the line, though, when he's like, if you come any closer, I will knock your ass out. And then Shane, like, takes a step closer and then and Jay knocks his ass oh, out. Bam. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hi, have you met Jay Halston? Jay, Uh, Shane, Shane, Jay. Yeah. And then, of course, like, I love, though, how, like, Jay literally, I mean, Jay beats Shane pretty bad. And they just walk out, though. Michelle just, like, steps over his body and, like, walks out. Mm -hmm. Love it. Um, And then we get this ending scene, and it's Haley and Jay talking at a bar. That is not Molly's, of course. I don't know. Is that the same bar where Camilla, the whole Camilla thing went down? Oh, God, it could be. I don't know. Uh, it kind of looked like it, but, like, and I'm sure it is just based on set-wise. Like, I'm mm-hmm. sure it is. But, like, yeah, I don't know. I try to block Rather out the Camilla way. days. That's another part of one Chicago I try to block out. Yeah. Ooh, not good. Um, But anyway, I just noticed. I was like, that is not Molly's. What the hell, guys? What the hell? And basically, they, you know, talk about Michelle and her daughter and the fact that they're going to go stay with her brother in Phoenix. And so, like, good for her. She's getting the fuck out of here and away mm-hmm. from Shane. Um, and Jay just makes a comment. He's like, you know, like, I don't know how you went through this growing up. And then Haley opens up about her parents' situation. How her mom basically, you know, it was a lot of the similar things. You know, her mom was beaten by her dad, but, like, didn't feel like she could actually escape. And so, Jay asks her, he's like, so what happened to your mom? Like, where'd she go? And Haley's like, nowhere. She's still with my dad. What about when she's talking to him and she's like, I used to dream of somebody coming in and doing to my dad what you did to Shane. Like, you did a good thing. Like, Mm -hmm. she sees in Jay exactly what, like, the exact opposite of her father. And, like, yeah. Just, she feels safe with him. I don't know. There's just, like, there's, it's such a big moment that it's, it's, like, hard to sum it up in words that, like, you know, Mm-hmm. I mean, presumably, you know, Haley was Haley's probably been careful throughout her whole life to make sure she doesn't end up with a man like her dad. And so 
It's like she's she's looking at Jay as somebody who like ticks all the boxes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's big. And all but the overtones yeah. of like told you we're good together. Ooh oh. boy. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And Jay knows it too. Mm-hmm. I think Jay is finally starting to realize that he has feelings for her. Yeah. Do you think we get a confession by the end of the season? Oh, I hope so. Good lord. On either side. On either side. Oh, I really hope so. I think it's going to be Haley first. Oh, 100%. Yeah, but I really hope I so. I would be shook to my core if it was Jay first, but it's not going to be Jay first. No, I see it being Haley. No, yeah, 100%. But, like, just... She's just way more, she's way more upfront with her feelings. Oh my God, she should hang out with April and teach her how to like use her voice more. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah, dude. Make that happen. I know. Or is that serious? Haley can teach April about like communication. Yes, I need that as a web series. Wolf Entertainment, get on that. Somebody write that fic, please. Um, Yeah, yeah. This is how you tell Ethan what's called the truth. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's way more upfront about her feelings, and so I think she'll get to a point where she's just like, "I need to tell you how I feel." Yeah, and that the fact that she's so forthcoming about her past with Jay now, like, and she straight up told him, she's like, "We're good together." Mm-hmm. Because they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, any other notes on PD? Nope. That yeah. Nothing else. So much Upstead goodness. Yeah. So good. It was good. So good. So. So that's about all we've got for this episode. As always, y'all know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. Um, If you like the show, which we really hope you do because you've made it all the way to the end of this episode, you actually made it past us giggling and laughing hysterically about Severide's origin story. Just think about that. Think about that. Um, if you like the show, please, please, please leave a or take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes. We would so greatly appreciate that. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at Bryna K13. Email us anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Uh, there's no new episode next week, but we're still going to record. And it's a good one, too. I'm pretty excited about this topic. We can just tell them, right? Yeah, it's okay. not a surprise. So we are going to do a top 10 list of the crossovers, like any and all crossovers, like Chicago Fire, or Chicago, or bleh, Fire PD Med, Fire PD, SVU. Justice. J- Justice, yeah, they, they were involved in one. So we are going to, we are going to break down our top 10 list of crossovers. So let us know which ones are your favorites, which one are not your favorites. Like, definitely tell us, please, please, please. That'll be fun. So You will still hear from us next week and otherwise everybody have a good weekend and we will talk to you then. Bye.